think you are. Hey, this is Tyler Clark. Tyler's coming to us as an intern to be um, our youth pastor. It seems he's wiggled his way into Pastor David's heart because there's some Louisiana connection. Hallelujah. I hear that's a neat place. So we're going to give him 10 minutes or whatever. And bless you. Welcome. Good morning. Ooh, hello. I, I got to get used to this. Okay, good. I'm not used to talking into microphones, I'll be honest. How is everyone this morning? Good. Can we take a moment and just thank Jesus for showing up this morning? I mean, we don't come here in vain. We don't come here. Uh, Y'all are awesome, but I come for somebody else. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, so let's take a minute. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you would come down to meet with us, Lord. You are God. We are man. You are sovereign. Lord, I ask you for the spirit of conviction, Lord, to come down upon this entire place like a cloud. Come and speak, Holy Spirit of God, to every heart. Let every word received not be in vain, God. Let it fall on good soil. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So I just got a quick word that the Lord wants me to share with y'all this morning. So Hebrews 4, if you'll open up to there, that's where I'm going to speak out of. You know, it's interesting. Um, I got a new Bible, and I'm all excited. <laughs> it's, got a, it's got a cool glossary. And it's got a cool, uh, you know, all these, I don't know, I really like it. And something that I, that I saw in there that was pretty interesting there are actually two Greek words for the word rest, which I love that we sang that today. You know, there is something huge and powerful that the Lord's wanting to show the body of Christ about his rest. But notice I said his rest. You see, these two Greek words, there's a difference between them. One of them, keep it closer. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I'll keep it right there. All right. These two Greek words... Um, they're used in different places, and they, it's for a reason. One of them is the temporary rest. And that's when Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's when, oh man, it's the most addicting thing on this planet to be out, out you know, outside of this world, really, is where it comes from. But to just put your hands up, to let go of every burden, to let go of every anxiety. And to rest in the safety, you know, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High lives the sh under the shadow of the Almighty. That's the Almighty God. We're talking about the God that when he says something, all of heaven thunders. The whole world shakes. We're not talking about a little God here. We're talking about Jesus, the king of everything here. And that's a very encouraging thought, you know, and, and that's really what I want to talk about is resting in his power. Resting in his might. You know, you read, you read a lot of what Paul wrote. He says that it is the power of God at work within us. It is nothing that we do that brings, you know, there's just this real fine line that, that is just kind of out there. And there's this real fine line between, between God working inside of us and us thinking it's us doing it. You know, 
we have to humble ourselves to let God come and literally rest under his mighty hand so his power moves through us. So I'm going to go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4.1 is where I'm going to start. And um, I'm not going to read it. I'll let y'all read it and look at it and, and just ponder upon it. But here Paul, see this is the second Greek word for rest that they're talking about here. Paul is talking about, the writer of Hebrews is talking about eternal rest. He's talking about the promised land. The very thing that was promised to the Israelites that they searched for, that their religion still thinks, you know, and, and so much of the promised land that we're going to receive had a blessing upon it, that the very land of Israel then got blessed. It's because of the spiritual promise of this rest that that land is blessed, you see? And so, hmm. Isaiah 66, also, it is quoted here. Um, no, maybe it's not here. Isaiah 66, also, you know, it says, What house have you built that I can come in? Basically, he, you know, the Father is asking through the prophet Isaiah, Where is my rest? You know, so what is rest for God? It's a place where he doesn't have to keep fighting flesh. I'll tell you, that's the truth. <laughs> it's a place where he can come and he don't have somebody, a gnat, constantly flying around in his ear that he can just kind of be at rest. That's really what it is. And, and that is really, it's, it's kind of heavy, but in the sense, y'all, we got to get our flesh out of here. There is no room for our flesh in this building, and in this building especially. There is one king, and he is very jealous over his throne. Hmm. He don't like to share. He don't like to share that part. <laughs> It's a very simple word that the Lord told me to come up here and speak, but it's not easy. It's not easy letting our flesh die. You know, you look at Jesus, he was all God and he was all man, okay? If there was anybody that could have done it right with his own brain, it was him. He had a lot of great ideas, yet still he sweat blood telling the Father, not my will, but your will be done. If there's anybody that had a pretty good idea, it was him. But he had to submit to the God idea. That's a hard thing to do, church. It really is. But that's where we've got to go. You know, the enemy of God, you don't want to be God's enemy. But I'll tell you what, our flesh is his enemy. The very brain that we have, if it is not renewed, is the very enemy of God. I love it how Jeremiah Johnson, when he was up here, and he said, uh, when God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud... That word oppose, being in full battle array against you, against your pride. You see, there's this person who we are, who the devil tries to tell us who we are, our fallen self. But then there's this good seed, this eternal being that God's placed inside of us. Oh, that is the biggest blessing. I mean, just having that understanding that we have new life. This new person that I've been given is never going to die. I'm going to keep continue living for eternity. Let that sink in for a moment. Eternity starts now. You are an eternal being that is never really going to pass away. So <laughs> there's no waiting till, you know, oh, uh, later. I'll, no, now. Like David Hogan said, now faith is. This is the only moment that we truly have to change anything in our lives. Our whole life is just a sequence of right now and then right now and then right now. That's the only moment we truly have. So you want to know where you kill your flesh? Right now. 
because you can't kill it tomorrow, today. Worry, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough worries of its own. Good friend of mine said that. <laughs> Yesterday, well, it's already passed. You can't do anything about it now. The only moment we can actually change is now. And it's uh, Joshua, JT, had sent me a, a, a verse the other day that I feel led to share. And, uh, you know, and he, I'm not exactly sure where it was, but he says, I think it was in 2 Samuel, and he said, he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. You see, this flesh is the enemy, right? We can all agree on that. So then we got to figure out, how does this enemy get defeated? Well, I'll tell you, they don't call him the Lord of hosts for nothing. He's got a huge army. And I'll tell you, when you hear the sound of the heavenly shofar blow, whoo, your bones shake. You don't know fear until you've heard his army. That's how powerful it is. And he commands it. And you know where he wants to send it? At your flesh. Directly at his enemy. His enemy He, he's going he's to defeat his enemy. So we have to choose what side we're on. We have to choose which man we identify with, our old man or our new man. Because at the end of the day, one of them's going to die. One of them's not. I kind of want to be on the, on the eternal side. I don't, you know, I don't know about y'all, but... So how does this flesh get defeated? God's got to defeat it. If we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God... We get down on our knees, we say, God, I can't do this. I need you to do this. I got to go see the movie War Room, which is really good, by the way. But, I, man, I really loved how the prayer life that they were promoting and that they were talking about, this wasn't, this wasn't no wimpy prayer life. You don't know how hard it is to not do something. When you feel like, oh, if I just try, if I, if I just have my own strength, I can maybe change it, maybe. To be able to let go, to rest, that is one of, the, one of the hardest things to do. But when we do that, you see, when we're worshiping, we're not fighting. The only time Paul says to strive, he says strive to enter into rest. That is our work. Our work is to believe. Our work is to sit back and watch God be God. We're humans. We're not God. We need to get out of his role. Thank you all for letting me speak. Yes, oh God, hallelujah. I have a real expectancy about today, this morning. Yes, there's an anointing. Um, I guess it was maybe Monday morning. No, Monday morning we pray. You can join us. We pray from 7 to 1 o'clock. I'm usually here from 7 to 8 or so. It must have been Tuesday morning. But I, I, no, it had to have been morning, Monday. One or the other. It doesn't matter. But I woke up and I end that twilight zone, you know, between when you wake up and you actually get up. I heard the Lord. He spoke to me. And he said... He said, big prayers will bring big results. Little prayers will bring little results. Now, I can't tell you what that does to your prayer life right before you pray. When the Lord tells you to pray big prayers, and uh, so it was a little bit easier that morning. But I got up and prayed, and I asked him for big prayers. I asked him for big things. 
because our nation needs to see a big God right now. America needs a great awakening. This generation that is emerging needs to see the power of God. They need to see what God can do, not just people saying what he did, you know, and promises that sometimes never come to pass. We need to see the God that is the now. The now, the God that's now. I appreciate Tyler sharing that. So glad Tyler's with us. He's uh, one of those young men that God's raising up. We've got a number of them now. that God's sent along this way. And of course, it didn't hurt that Tyler went to LSU. That was a good uh, plus for him. But we appreciate you, Tyler. Thank you for that word, man. But let's pray, and let's just ask God to do big stuff this morning. Is okay? Is that good? How many of you came with something big that only God could fix? Something, a loved one or just a need? Well, this is the hour. What are we waiting on? You know. And um, somehow I want that same intensity that I had that early morning out praying, asking God for big stuff. I want it here. Well, Lord, we just come to you now. Thank you for your son. Thank you for Jesus. He is the big thing. He's the main thing. There's no bigger than him. We thank you for his death, his burial, his resurrection. We thank you for the blood that was shed for our sin. Lord, we thank you also for the Holy Spirit. You did not leave us as orphans, but you sent the comforter. You sent the helper that he would be with us and in us and upon us. And so, Lord, we ask for help today that heaven would open wide. Lord, there are big needs in this room. There are big needs, people that are watching by the web stream. There are big needs in our nation right now. They're way bigger than us, but we confess they are not bigger than you. And we ask you, God, show up. Come, Lord, show yourself strong. Let America see that we have a God that reigns and rules over the affairs of men. That, God, those things that seem impossible with us, they are possible with you. They may be impossible for us, but not with you, God. And so, Lord, we ask you, come, Lord, bear witness with your word, with signs and wonders following in the name of Jesus, God, start a great awakening now, Lord, today, and let it touch America and the nations of the earth. God, come. Lord, we thank you for the harvest. We thank you that you're the Lord of the harvest. And so, Lord, we honor you. We honor your presence. Lord, thank you for coming during worship as you did. You are an awesome God, and we bless your name. We bless you. Thank you. So, Lord, Right now, let miracles break out here. People need healing. If you need healing, just raise your hand right now. Let you know somebody or you need healing. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray, let the power of heaven come down. Touch the people. God, let testimonies right now break out in this place that we will hear about in the days to come of what you did right now. We bind every power of darkness we cancel every curse, every work of infirmity and disease, every work of darkness. We cancel now. We declare Jesus' reign. Jesus reigns. He rules over every situation, every body. In the name of Jesus, our loved ones, in the name of Jesus, we release and we receive 
the power of heaven because we got to have you, Lord. Thank you, God, in Jesus' strong name. And everyone in agreement said amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming up and praying, playing with me. I want you to uh, look over in Isaiah 33. And, you know, I was thinking this week, this new generation, they all have these, uh, and I got one too, these iPhones, and you can look the scripture up on the iPhone. And that's an okay thing if you want to do that, but I'm telling you there's something about it. You just take it from us, you young guys. There's something about seeing it for yourself. There's something about underlining the scriptures. There's something about circling those words that pop out to you. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Man, I've, how many Bibles have I read through and used up in my life? I mean, I've used a lot of iPhones too. It seemed like they last about a year or two, and, and then they break down. You got, they, they plan it that way, I think, so you have to buy another one. But uh, I've been through many, many. How many of you have been through many, many Bibles? Many, many Bibles. Well, you guys need to get one. If you don't have one, see Shirley. She's making Bibles. That's a part of her ministry. And uh, we'll, make, we'll get you a hard copy of a Bible. Is that okay, guys? I'm just telling you it's a different world when you see it for yourself. All right, Isaiah 33, and uh, beginning with verse 1. And I want to go in a, a specific direction. I believe the Lord's given me. And, uh, but if we venture off in other directions, so be it. We just don't want to chase rabbits. We want to be following the Spirit. And uh, I often, I, got to, I didn't do it this morning, so Lord, by faith, I take my tongue out of my head, and I put it right here in my spirit by faith, and I pray that I can preach out of the spirit, because whatever comes out of here, you heard Tyler, Lord, it isn't no good, it comes out of here. It's got to come out of here. So we ask out of the spirit, in the name of Jesus. So verse 1, woe to you, destroyer, you who are not yourself destroyed. Now remember, we'll talk about this guy later on. Who deal treacherously, though they, your victims, I'm reading out of the Amplified Version, uh, did not deal treacherously with you. When you have ceased to destroy, you shall be destroyed. And when you have stopped dealing treacherously, they will deal treacherously with you. Now, that will make more sense later on. Verse 2, O Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited. And to wait means expectantly for you. How many of you are expecting God to do something big in your life, big in our nation, in our cities? Be the arm of your servants, the strength, in other words, the strength and defense. Every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. Aren't you glad their mercies, the mercies are new every day? How many of you need mercy every day? That's why they're new every morning, because you need them and I need them. And especially in a time of trouble, we need his mercies, we need salvation. Verse 3 says, at the noise of the turmoil caused by your voice at which the enemy is overthrown. Remember that one. You have to read that in the Amplified to get that. It says, the peoples flee at the lifting up of yourself. Nations are scattered. Now verse 5, the Lord is exalted. Just say that with me. The Lord is exalted. For he dwells on high, he will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, which is religious and moral rectitude in every area. But, uh, you know, his foundation is founded, the foundation of God is on righteousness and justice. Verse 6, and there shall be stability in your times. How many could use a little stability in these times and in the times 
they tell us are coming. They don't have to tell us. We see them coming. And there shall be stability in your times, abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The reverent fear and the worship of the Lord is your treasure and his. Now, verse 6 says, there shall be stability in your times and uh, wisdom and knowledge and salvation. Now, let me just tell you what that word means, stability. It means the ability to withstand force or stress without being distorted, dislodged, or damaged. The picture is a bridge in the midst of a flood, and the wind or the, the, the flood, the overwhelming flood comes, and it, it's able to hold up. What did I hear in South Carolina? There were 160-something bridges that either destroyed or damaged. Uh, some of the words that mean stability is firmness, steadiness, strength, security, soundness, durability, lasting, enduring, permanence, changelessness, indestructibility, reliability, and dependability. That is to describe who you and I are. We're to be the most stable, most dependable, the most durable, the firmest, the steadiest people on the planet, even in a time of trouble. Now, in other words, stability in your times, no matter what happens. Now, there are four things that Scripture talks about that we need, the church. Then I'm going to get over into some other things. But first of all, wisdom and understanding. How many of you know if you lack wisdom, what do you do? You ask. If you ask, what will God do? He will give liberally. This is one time in the Bible where we see where God was a liberal. He gives liberally the real meaning of the word, the way it used to be called. He gives above and beyond. Remember Jeremiah Johnson challenged us to cry out for understanding. We need understanding in these times, and God will give us that understanding if we'll cry out to him. And I'm telling you, there's some of you this morning, when we, when we wrap all this up, we're going to come around the altar and I'm telling you, God's going to give wisdom. He's going to give understanding. He's going to come and do big stuff because he is a big God. He can do that which we thought or we'd given up on. And then also we need knowledge. Why do we need knowledge? What does he say in Hosea? My people are what? They are destroyed or they perish. They are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We need knowledge. Jesus said, man, you know, it's okay if you can tell the weather. But he rebuked those disciples because they could not discern the signs of the times. And we need knowledge of the times, not knowledge of his ways. But most of all, we need the knowledge of him. I prayed that today. God, if we could have anything, let everyone that walks in this room increase in the knowledge of your son. It's like our eyes would be open and we would see and hear you like we've never seen or heard you before. We want increase in that. And then the abundance of strength, the strength of salvation. We pray Monday mornings. We also pray Thursday nights. You can join us. We'd love for you to join us. Thursday at 630 over there, 7 o'clock Monday morning here. But we're praying Thursday night, and uh, that scripture came to our minds that, that with joy you will draw from the wells of salvation. And uh, we have to have joy in this hour. Joy is our strength. And I'm telling you, we, we will be, we'll run out of strength if we don't have joy. So we got to have some joy. 
around here. That's going to drive the devil absolutely crazy, that the church is joyful. You're not supposed to be joyful in this hour. That's what his opinion is, but God's opinion is different. And then the fear of the Lord. We need the fear of the Lord. If you fear God, you will not fear those things that are coming on the earth. Now, you might take notice of them, and you might be a little concerned, but you're not going to fear them because your fear is in God, and you'll have a stability that the world can't give. Now, look over in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to jump in to some things. I, I don't like to really announce what I'm going to speak on. I never have done that because somebody told me way back that the devil could hear you and he would set these plots and plans and things and try to mess it all up. So I used to keep it secret. And then I realized the devil ain't going to do that. Listen, even if he knows, I mean, he knows anyway. He knows the Bible better than I could ever know it. The Bible says the demons, they believe in him and they tremble. And so I'm not going to give the devil any credit there just because he knows what I'm going to speak on. Fooey on him. He ain't going to mess it up. God's word endures forever. And his word is his word. He is the word. And so, but I still may never announce it again after this because <laughs> that guy that told me that might have known what he's talking about. You know what I mean? But anyway, Matthew chapter 7 and uh, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine or his word and does them, say they do them. We don't want to be hearers of the word only. That's, I'm there's a danger some of you are going to be that way today. I pray that's not the case. Don't be a hearer. It would be better, let me kind of just be honest, it would be better if you get up and leave right now than to be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. Because we're going to be held responsible by what, for what we hear. And uh, in fact, that's what the scripture explains. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to be a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on what? The rock. Jesus is my rock. He's a solid foundation. He's the one that leads me to a rock that's higher than I. It's also that rock of revelation, that understanding, that knowledge of him. Okay, verse uh, 26, but whoever or anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You ever tried to put up a tent on the beach? You ever, I tried that one time. You got to really dig deep, man. You got to get, you got to have some big stakes because the sand is pretty thick. And you may think you have it in place, but the first little bit of wind that comes along, your tent's going down. You know what I'm talking about. Verse 27, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was the fall. Now, Jesus is using storms, the rain, the wind, and the flood and uh, those who build their lives on his word, it doesn't matter how intense the storm, they will survive. Not only survive, they will have stability in the midst of that storm. And uh, that's what we've got to have in this hour. And the opposite is true if you don't build your life. Now, we just had some major storm, rain. It wasn't so much the wind 
Joaquin stayed off in the Atlantic, but still they were using words like epic, catastrophic, historical. You know it's historical. They, had, they even canceled a football game because of the storm, because of the flooding. And uh, the, the mayor, was it Nikki Haley? Is that her name? She said this was a once-in-a-thousand-year storm. 20, I, I, I saw where Charleston County had over 27 inches of rain. I saw one picture. Did you guys see it? Where the caskets came out of the ground. Now, I've seen that before, being in Louisiana. That's why they bury a lot of folks in New Orleans above the ground in these tombs. Really scary graveyards to walk in when you're a kid. Those kind of above-the-ground stuff. You don't know if they're going to come out or you don't know what's going on. But i would seen that before. But a flood, that just causes that to happen. Now, here's my question. Was this just a, just a run-in-the-mill act of nature, nothing to it, or was God saying something through those storms? What do you think? How about if I show you in the Bible about storms that are coming? There are rising storms on their way. We had some, but we got to be hearing what God has to say. Now, this will tell you how old you are. There used to be this financial group named E.F. Hutton. Remember, how many of you remember E.F. Hutton? There's a lot of older guys in here. J Joshua, you don't know who E.F. Hutton is, man. Who cares? You should look him up. But they had a, uh, or look them up. I guess it's a group. But they had this commercial on television. It would say, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. You remember that? And I used to wonder, do they really listen? Do they really listen? I don't know if everybody listened or not. But my question is, when God speaks, do people listen? Remember the church of Laodicea. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And uh, we've got to hear. We've got to be those that are hearing his knock because he's knocking on the door of our nation. Now, Joaquin, the storm... In Spanish, the name means Yahweh will establish. And let me tell you, he is establishing today. But it also, the Hebrew meaning, how many of you know what the Hebrew meaning is? God will judge. Now, both of those meanings come into play. He will establish, but he also is going to judge. Now, look with me, if you, if you would, over in the book of Nahum. How many of you read the book of Nahum? You better read that book. I say this sometimes, but you, when you get to heaven, you might run into Nahum. And he'll ask you, did you read my book? You don't want to be, you don't want to say, hey, Nahum, I didn't even know you had a book. You know, I didn't even know. If I'd have known, I'd have read it. Well, he's got a book. And it's a bestseller. It was put in the bestseller. It's a part of that which is eternal. But anyway... Nahum, and it's on page 820 in my Bible. I have no idea what page it's on in your Bible. You know, there are certain keys to knowing where the Scriptures are. For example, General Electric Power Company is Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I learned that one forever. Now, the Old Testament, I don't have any remedy. I just look up the pages. This is on page 820. So anyway... Nineveh had been given the privilege of knowing the one true God. Remember that. Jonah preached, and remember he said, 40 days, and he's going to judge Nineveh. 
What did Nineveh do? They repented and they received unbelievable grace and mercy. But a hundred years had passed and all of a sudden they forgot the revival. I know people that I've seen, I know God did some miraculous stuff in their life recently and I don't see them anymore. It's like they totally forgot what God did in answer to their prayers. And it was not a little thing that he did. It was a big thing. I'm thinking of a big, big thing. We're just like the people, it seems like, over and over. History repeats itself. So they'd forgotten the revival. They forgot what God had done. And as a result, Babylon is going to destroy the city. And, uh, and it's a reminder of what God will do. God uses Babylon, a Babylonian spirit. Can I just tell you a little secret? How many of you would think there could possibly be a Babylonian spirit in America today? In fact, I can tell you it's sitting in the White House and it's in many houses. There is a Babylonian spirit. God uses a Babylonian spirit to get people's attention. But he will also grant great mercy when there's repentance. He's a loving God. Now, the word Nahum also means comfort. So when the destruction of the capital city, you know, when there was destruction, he wanted them to be comforted that God is going to do business with the Babylon spirit. He may use Babylon, but then he's going to destroy the destroyer like we read earlier. It's an incredible thing all through the Bible. God raises up people that rebel against him, so he sends in an enemy. And the enemy wrecks havoc. There's some that turn to him, some are destroyed. But then God turns the table around and he destroys the Babylon, the Babylonian spirit. And it's, it's all in America today. Let me just read this and we're going to go back and look at it. Everybody's still with me. You didn't check out when I said the Babylonian spirit's in America. Nobody freaked out, right? So what? It's been around forever. We have to overcome this thing. That's what you're called to. Listen, if you're going to just be a little nominal churchgoer, you ain't got a chance in this hour. I'm just going to be honest with you. Man, you are about to get squashed. But if you are a real believer and the real Jesus lives inside of you that's greater than he that's in the world, you are going to be totally awestruck by what God does in you and through you in this hour. Our God is a consuming fire. He's not a little fire. He's a big fire. I'm asking him for big fires. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to see a great awakening in America. If it's the last thing I do, I'm telling you, I'm not going to give up. And if I don't see it and they have to lay me out there next to Bob, then put on my stone. He believed until the very end. And you'll see it. The next generation will see it. But somebody's going to see it. Somebody's got to go in and take all those promises. they got to cross this thing and get in there and get on with it. All right, let's look in here, Nahum. Now, here's a good verse. Verse 2, God is jealous. Do you know, how many of you knew God was jealous for his people? And the Lord avenges. How many of you knew that? They told us God never gets angry. That's baloney. The Bible says he's angry with the wicked every day. We have a lot of religious stuff in America. It was preached so, so as to set up the church for the great falling away. We believe what God said. We will not fall away. That's what Jesus said. Those who believe and do these sayings of mine. 
All right, God avenges. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. Now, not the church. Say, I've not been reserved for wrath or appointed for wrath, but to obtain salvation. There's a difference. But whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Whatever a nation sows, it will reap. Now, look at this. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the what? In the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. Verse 5. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. And the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can endure the fierceness of his anger? Oh, wait a minute. We got to erase that word. They told us God never gets angry. Anybody got a big eraser? Because it's in there a lot. We're going to need a big one. His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord, now look, he shifts gears right here because he knew there would be a people that might get a little bit overwhelmed. So then he shifts into verse 7 to the people of God. The Lord is what? Good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. You know, the issue at the end of the age will not really ultimately be whether you knew him or not. It's, does he know you? Do you remember he said, he will say to those, depart from me, for I never knew you. You workers of iniquity and of lawlessness. And, uh, but he knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of his, its place and darkness will pursue his enemies. Thus says the Lord, verse 12. Though they are safe, that's the, the world, peace and safety. And likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down. When he passes through, though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. For now I will break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. How many of you know that as the plagues were in Egypt, there's a parallel with what's happening in the book of Revelation? And God was going to flip the coin. He will destroy some. The plagues will destroy some, but they also will deliver others. Right? The plagues in Egypt, they destroyed some, but those who were in Goshen, it just delivered them. It set them free. Now, I'm going to talk about this. God has his way. Verse 3, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and we got to know how he speaks. And he's sending storms today. I remember, and I've shared with you, growing up in Louisiana. Tyler, you're too young for this. You weren't around, but I was around during Camille. It was a serious storm. And I remember hearing a story about these, these kids, and they had a hurricane party in Gulfport. And Camille wiped out the whole place, and they were all killed. I believed that all these years until last week. This guy got on Fox News, and he said, you remember that story about the hurricane party? He said, that never happened. It was an old wives' tale. And I said, old wives' tale? I believed that for a whole bunch of years. You mean it wasn't true? Heck, I thought it was true. No, I mean, I'm glad it wasn't true. You know what I mean. But still, it wasn't true. You don't have to make up things today. The storms that are coming are real storms. They're real storms. And either we're going to be ready for them or not. Because if I understand Matthew chapter 7 correctly, the wind, the rain, the storms, all this is coming. So what, are, what does the Bible say about 
the storms that are happening, the ones that are on the horizon? Well, first of all, they are a sign of his judgment. Let me say it again, because you get mocked when you say that, especially by the religious crowd. Storms can be a sign of God's judgment, period. I'll show you. The consequences of choices that a people make or a nation makes. Now, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. The Bible says clearly God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that man will also reap. God is not going to change it for anyone or any nation. It's going to come to pass. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. If that nation has rejected God as their Lord, it's not a blessed nation anymore. Now, there may be a, a nation in a nation, and there is a people that are going to walk in blessing, but that nation will not be blessed. Leaders that have rejected him. God will not be mocked. I can hear that loud and clear inside my spirit. I will not be mocked. He's not going to be mocked. And then also storms, when they are judgment, are a sign that God will establish. He is establishing a people. We saw that in verse 13. He's going to break away the yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. Part of what God is doing is setting his people free in this hour. He's going to come and topple the idols that have held his people captive, held their attention. He's going to topple the idols. There'll be nowhere else to run to except to him. And when you run to him, you'll find he is there. And he is everything that he said he would be. And then storms are also the, the sovereignty of God. Now, there are a number of things. Look over in Job. I want to show you this, Job. Job chapter 30, or yeah, chapter 36, verse 26. You got to stay with me a little bit longer. Everybody's still here? Don't check out. It really does end really good. Verse 26 is not bad. Look at that. Job 36, 26. You can, we can all memorize this. Behold, God is great. That's good. And we do not know him. We don't know how great he is, is what it's saying. How good our God is. He's great. Nor can the number of his years be discovered. For he drops, or he draws up drops of water, which distill as rain from the mist, which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. Indeed, can anyone understand the spreading of clouds, the thunder from his canopy? Look, he scatters his light upon it. And covers the depths of the sea. For by these things he judges the people. So there's check number one. It can be a sign of his judgment. And if, if you're writing in your Bible, that'd be a good place to write. Number one, right by it. But look what else it does. He gives food in abundance. The same rain that may, or the flood that might bring judgment, that rain is something that's needed to bring the blessing of God. The abundance from the earth. There shall be, remember that old song, there shall be showers of blessing. It just depends on your viewpoint, what you're looking for. I'm looking for the showers of blessing. Verse 32, he covers his hands with lightning and commands it to strike. His thunder declares it, the cattle also concerning the rising storm. In other words, these storms come at his command. The devil is not in charge. God is in charge. 
Just agree with me. Say God is in charge. The devil is not in charge. Nor is man in charge. It's not about carbon coming out of our whatever. Listen, it's about Almighty God who rules and reigns. He's a sovereign God. Isn't it amazing how they change global warming to, uh, what did they change it to? Yeah, climate change. Because they, they realized people were wising up. Hey, it's not quite as warm as they said it is. So they're calling it climate change, and then there'll be a whole new crowd. Oh, wow, you're right. The climate changed today. Must be climate change. It changes every day. It's going to change when I walk out of here this morning, this afternoon or morning, whenever it is. I don't know. Does it make you guys upset, too, sometimes, how many people fall to these things? You say, hey, folks, it's pretty normal. It is normal. And that's what Job says. But in verse 33, there are rising storms. Now look at verse 30, chapter 37. At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Hear attentively the thunder of his voice. I'm telling you, he has a thunderous voice. And his voice is thundering in this hour. That's another thing I remember back in Louisiana, Tyler. I'll never forget that morning minding my own business, playing with my cars. I made a little road in our driveway. That's how I spent my time when I was six, seven, eight. I hope I wasn't too much older than that, playing with cars. I can't remember. It was somewhere in those years. But I'll never forget, it thundered. Now, you guys, you think you have thunderstorms in North Carolina. I'm telling you, we have real thunderstorms in Louisiana and, and Mississippi. You know, we do we real ones. And it thundered. And I remember as a little boy, I looked up, and I said, Jesus is coming. And I started going in the house. I'm running the opposite direction. But I knew, I knew God was speaking. I said, he is coming. I told my mom, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I didn't know he was just getting me ready to shout that as a message later on in my life. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's thunder. If you can't hear what God's saying today, you've got to have something in your ears. Somebody had a vision. You, you had a vision, Loretta, about things popping out of people's ears. Corks out of people's ears. Lord, uncork our ears. Uncork everyone's ears this morning that we can hear your voice. And then in verse 4, after it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice. In other words, it's just... His majesty. Verse 6. For he says to the snow, fall on the earth. Likewise to the gentle rain and the heavy rain of his strength. There's the gentle and the heavy, right? But it's still God. He seals the hand of every man that all men may know his work. The beasts go into their dens and remain in their lyres. From the chamber of the south comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds of the north. By the breath of God, ice is given, and the broad waters are frozen. Also with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds. He scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about being turned by his guidance that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. Sounds like God's in charge, doesn't it? Verse 13, he causes it to come, whether for correction, and that's the word, the rod of correction, or for his land, or his mercy, for mercy. 
Listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Now verse 15 and 16. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine, do you know how the clouds are balanced, those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? And what is that called? The hydrologic cycle about the waters on the earth, under the earth, and then they evaporate above. In other words, God's in charge. Whether it's a hydrologic cycle, whether it's a storm, our God reigns over all the earth. Now, here's it also, there's a redemptive nature in storms. I've got to show you that. Look over. I'm going to wrap it up quickly. Look over in Psalm 83. You've got to see this. Psalm 83, verse, um, and the whole psalm is good. How many of you will read the whole psalm if I challenge you to do that? Read Psalm 83 before you go to bed. No, no, I'm asking. Okay, good. I'm not just whistling Dixie. I'm asking. You can't even whistle Dixie anymore. Don't do that. You'll be in trouble. They'll throw you out. Verse 1, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. That's, boy, that's in my spirit. That's in our spirit, isn't it? When we see all this stuff going on in the earth, in our nation, oh God, do not be still. God, thunder your voice once again. For behold, your enemies make a turmoil, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They've taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. Can I tell you that's happening? Somewhere along the way, there's a group meeting. How can we get them? How are we going to silence the church in America? How are we going to do away with them? Look in verse 4. They've said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. They're probably in those back rooms saying that the name of America may be remembered no more. Whatever they're consulting. Verse 5. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. I guess the confederacy, it is going to rise again. These guys, it's a confederacy. Verse 9, deal with them as with Midian. This is how we ought to be praying. God, deal with them. You say, don't pray that way. That's not love. Well, why'd they write it in the Bible? They wrote it because you pray that way. Deal with them as with Midian who perished at Endor. And he goes on. Verse 12. Who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. That's what they're saying right now. Let us take America. Let us take the church. Let us take Israel. We're going to go after them. We want Jerusalem. They want the earth. Well, you can't have it. The earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. God's just looking for people that will rise up. Oh, my God. Now, look at Now, here's what I like. We should pray this. Oh, my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the woods and as the flame sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Circle storm. Fill their faces with shame. That they, now, here's, here's the reason for it. you got to read the whole story. We're not just praying down the wrath of God. There is a redemptive nature about our God. Remember that. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. 
So what you're praying is, God, whatever it takes, get their attention. Whatever it is, that they may seek you, God. That they may turn to you. They may repent and find salvation. Verse 17, let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame. Verse 18, that they may know. Now, here's the ultimate. That they may know that you whose name alone is the Lord are the most high over all the earth. That should be our prayer. Oh, man. Now, there's a couple more things. It's a promise. Rains can be a promise of another type of rain. You know what kind of rain I'm talking about, don't you? I've been, ever since I've been out here, I keep seeing the number 444. 444. All the time. I even try not to see it. And I see it. So now, I told Shirley the other day when I'm working out on the treadmill, I work up to 444.4 calories. And then I'll quit. By the I got to quit. Ain't no mother, I mean, it's, it's all quit from there. But I'm, I mean, there's sometimes I may take the initiative, but most of the times I don't. And I see it. And the other morning I woke up, looked over, it's 444. Four, I keep seeing it. Well, what is 444? Isaiah 44, 4. You want to see it? Let me show you this promise that we have. Isaiah 44, verse 4. They shall spring up among the grass and willows by the watercourses. It's talking about the peoples, the generation, our children who will write themselves by their name, by his name. But look in verse 3. You have to look at it in context. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. I'm telling you, there's another kind of rain that is on the horizon. It is called the rain of heaven. It is a latter day rain. Rain. It's going to rain. He said, ask of me for rain in the days of the latter rain. These are the days of the latter rain. The glory of the latter temple is going to be greater than the glory of the former. I believe what God said. Jesus said, if you live by these sayings of mine, it doesn't matter what comes upon you. Your hope is eternal. It's set on something that's going to last forever. Now, here's some practical things about storms. Number one, it's part of a natural process of life. It just rains. The hydrologic system is just going to be. Secondly, they can come up quickly. Those who were prepared in South Carolina were ahead of those who were not prepared. Get you a big umbrella. What was that movie we saw? This Santa Claus kept trying to give this guy an umbrella, and he wouldn't take it. Christmas with the cranks. That's it. It's a hilarious movie. I laughed my head off in that movie. It was crazy. And this guy, he's getting out of the car, and the Santa says, you need an umbrella. No, I don't want an umbrella. I don't need an umbrella. You need an umbrella. He didn't want it. He didn't want to go to the trouble. And I'm telling you, he needed an umbrella. You need an umbrella. You need to get under. You need to make some preparation for the times. I mean, they, didn't, they even had, to, they had problems with water. What if you had a whole bunch of water and everybody around you had problems with water? Then you could be a remedy for the problems with water. You could say, come over. I got water. Guess what? You don't have to go wait in line 
I got it. It's free. You can come and drink freely. He who drinks of this water, I mean, it's good stuff. You can just take off from there. You know what I mean? And when you run out, ask God to multiply it. But you got to have something to multiply. The little boy had to have two fish or whatever he had in the loaves. If he didn't have it, he, the Lord couldn't have multiplied it. All right, why South Carolina? Well, number one, it's a coastal state. Duh. Storms come, those things happen on coastal states. It doesn't matter where you live. It really does. Geogra Sometimes it's going to rain just because you're in a rainforest. You know what I'm talking about. It's nothing really that spiritual about it. But it also, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. To me, South Carolina is one of the just states. They have a godly governor, and it seems there's a bunch of great people. They've been through all kinds of stuff. But the Lord said, the rain will fall on the just and the unjust. And then also, remember, storms don't last forever. No, every storm I remember from the time I was a little kid, it did not last forever. There were times in the middle of it, I thought it was going to last forever. You know what I mean? Man, this is the worst storm in the history of storms. When you're a little kid, those are the worst storms in the history of storms. I remember listening to Camille. We, my brother and I, we were in the front window somehow, and I could hear the trees pop, snap, psh, and there goes another one. Psh, I could hear it snap. Psh, we could hear them falling, man. That was so cool to us, you know, hearing those one after another. And then all of a sudden, this big wind comes up, and the whole house starts like it's going to explode from within, and my mother screamed. And me and my brother, we got away from the window as quick as we could. And we started taping up. If I remember, then we started taping up those windows because we thought they were coming in. But that storm didn't last forever. And those of you that are going through storms this morning, I don't know what you're going through. It won't last forever. The sun is going to break out. It's going to break out here at this altar for some of you. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to come through for you. He's going to break out. It's the Son of God. And then, you know what storms also do? They bring down the old limbs so that the new growth can come we need some of these storms break down some of this old decayed stuff in fact if it's if it didn't have the life of life of god on it it's decayed if our government has kicked god out they don't want anything to god to do with god we don't want anything to do with them listen we want that which is life and there's a government being established that it's going to last forever. It's called the kingdom of God. And, and Jeremiah said, God sometimes breaks down so he can build up. And so sometimes you just need a storm to come through to clear out all the rubbish. You know what I'm talking about. And sometimes we even get rid of stuff in the midst of storms. You start shedding things. All kinds of stuff. And then... It's when, uh, when one is coming, you better get in a shelter. Isaiah 4, for over all the glory there shall be a covering. And there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat, for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and wind. So run under the covering of God. We got to find his glory and stay there. Stay there. And then, listen, now, I didn't want to forget this. Storms are also opportunities for the church to exercise the authority that we've been given. Do you know that sometimes God wants to train our hands for war? He left giants in the land so that his people could deal with the giants. 
I have a good friend of mine, Randy Cutter, he, and you may have read his book. He wrote a book. But their church, they're in uh, Fort Lauderdale. And they've been praying for years when storms even look like they're coming to South Florida. They begin to pray. They go to their war room and they cry out, in the name of Jesus, we say no to this storm. We command it. Turn off. Listen, I know God's in charge, but he may allow some things to come our way just to train our hands for war so that we'll be the people of God we've been called to be and stand up. Remember, Jesus spoke peace. The storm was filling the boat, and he rebuked the wind, and he said peace, and peace came. And then Acts 27 and verse 4, sometimes they're just contrary winds. Life is just sometimes contrary, so you need to know how to maneuver, right? You need to know what side of the bed to get up on that day. Sometimes you just got to hang out a little bit longer. Get the strategy of God. Make sure you don't step out into something you wish you hadn't stepped into. Just, you know, just use some common sense sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes there are things going on you don't have any business. Just let it go. Don't worry about what they're saying about you. Don't worry about what's happening. Just get the mind of God. Stay with him. Stay in his word. Love Jesus. Be an example. And just let the storm break out as it comes. Let it be. And God will just come through for you because he's your God. Does that make sense? And then they are opportunities for us to build our life on that which is eternal. And that's what Matthew chapter 7 is all about. He said, the wind, the rain, the storms, all this will come. But he that builds his life on the word of God, on the, these sayings of mine, though these storms may come, it will stand. Amen? Does any of that make sense? I wanted to know it. Man, I started reading that stuff in Job this week. I know I'd read it before. But it's like I read it for the first time. The first time. Isn't that amazing about the Bible? You read things, I don't know how many Bibles, but then it's like you never saw it before. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Now I'm going to ask this morning, if you're here and... Uh, if you don't know Jesus, let me ask you, if something happened to you this morning, and let's say you were involved in an accident, you didn't make it to this evening. This was the last day you would live on the earth. Where would you spend eternity? That's a question everyone needs to answer. We need to know, where would we spend eternity? What must I do to be saved? Well, you just believe in Jesus. Repent. Turn your life over to him. You can't clean yourself up. Run to him. Let him clean you up. But you got to be willing to turn your life over to him and follow him with all your heart. Others of you, you're not as close to him as you used to be. You were once on fire for God, but somehow you lost the fire. Can I tell you, there's a fire up here around this altar. You come get in on it, God will stir your fire. You can go out of here. Listen, you don't want to be like war room you don't want to drink drink lukewarm coffee the people don't want to see you lukewarm they want to know are you hot or are you cold we've got to be on fire in this hour they're looking for answers and then we're going to believe god just worked miracles today i'm believing for healings this morning cancer has got to go that was one of the big prayers i prayed that out there that morning monday morning whenever it was god let this be 
place be a cancer-free zone. Let people come here with cancer from all over the world. That was a big prayer. Let them come from all over the world with cancer and let them leave these grounds cancer-free in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are the God over cancer. You are the big C. Cancer is the little C. Jesus Christ is the big C. So we're going to believe for that today. Amen. And whatever other disease that comes under that. But I want us to pray, first of all. Let's just stand where we are. Just stand. You say this morning, I don't know if I know Jesus, but I want to know him. Anybody just raise your hand. Say, I don't know if I'm saved, if I'm going to heaven. If I died today, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? Anybody? Say, I don't know if I know Jesus, but I, I believe he's the son of God. I want to be saved. Pray for me. Those watching by the web stream, this is the day of salvation. I want us all just to pray this prayer. You mean it in your own heart, but let's all pray just out loud. And if somebody has never met Jesus, I'm telling you, this is the moment of salvation. You can be saved on the authority of God's word. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be, what? Saved. So let's just pray. Dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God, that he died, and that he rose from the dead. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. From this moment on, I give my life to you. I turn from sin, and I turn to you. Change me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Use me to be your servant. For the rest of my life, I will follow you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me in Jesus' name. Now, I want our ministry team to come on up right now. We got some guys that have been praying, and they've been getting ready for this. Hey, we want to pray for people to get the fire of God. I also ask God that people, as they come here to Moravian Falls from all over the earth, that they will catch the fires of revival and spread them all throughout this land and to the nations of the earth. How many of you believe that God can do something like that? I'm telling you, I'm going for it. I'm not waiting for revival. I'm going to be the revival. I'm going to believe we're living in that time of a great awakening. I'm going for it. If I miss it, I'd rather stand before God and Him look at me and say, you believe me for way too much. I didn't plan all that. I believe God will do it even if he hadn't planned it, if we believe it. God is God. Now, I don't know about all that. I don't know about that theology. But he's God. I don't want him to look at me and say, man, if you had just believed me, if you only had believed me, you would not have believed what I'd have done for you and your nation. I'm praying the whole nation shakes at the presence of God. All of America will awaken. You got a word? Go for it. He is able to do above and beyond what you're able to think or dream. The word of a wife. And I listen. That's the word of the Lord. Hey, let's just come on up. If you want prayer, want somebody to pray with you this morning. You want the fire of God in your life. I'm serious. You want to say, God, I want to be an instrument of revival. I want to be a tool in your hand for this hour. I want to be so on fire for God, they can't stand me where I work. You know what I'm talking about. They won't fire you. Just be on fire. 
You'll be the fire. In the name of Jesus, God, do it. There are people watching right now. God, pour out your fire in the nations. Pour out your fire all over this land. God, we pray for miracles. If you're sick today, you believe God can heal. We believe a God that God can heal. He's the God. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the name of Jesus. We need more help. More help for prayer teams. Come on up, Linda. Come help us pray. Need some others to help us pray. In the name of Jesus. There's going to be prophetic ministry over in the corner too. Going on at the same time. Thank you, Lord. Don't leave without a miracle. I believe that I'm telling you, there's faith. There is faith. We believe God. In Jesus' name.